This is the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Franz. If you would like to support and be part of our community, you can start by visiting zennovascotia.com. Sunday was Easter, and my house was a mess. And in the evening, before we were going to bed, my daughter was sitting on the floor, and she had a little piece of that that grass that goes into Easter baskets, and it was stuck in her hair. And I said, "Hey, you have you have grass in your hair," and she felt around on her head. And she couldn't she couldn't find it. I said, "No, it's right on top," and she she couldn't quite get there. And I said, "Well, you should just look at it." And what I meant was, you should go look in the mirror. But instead, when I said you should look at it, she rolled her eyes back in her head as if through will she could look at the top of her head with her own eyes and she just kind of rolled back onto her onto her head. And it was really cute. And and before she hit the ground, I think you could see on her face that she got it. She she saw the folly of trying to do that. And then she got back up and she did it about 10 more times. You know, she said, Papa, look at me. I'm going to look at the top of my head. And then she tried and she'd roll over. It got me thinking, though, about a kind of difficulty that I think we face in practice. And so I wanted to talk tonight about something without any answers or any prescriptions, but just to kind of pick apart something that I find difficult. And that is uh, the way that the practice seems to invite us to always be looking at ourselves. I think we can't get around it. We come to this practice and we are put in contact with these teachings that have to do with perception. How are we we perceiving the world? And so we become very fascinated with, with the thing that is seeing, the thing that is perceiving. And we start looking at ourselves very closely. And this is different potentially from a, a psychological sense of of self-reflection or of looking at oneself. We're actually interested in the, the process of perception. We start noticing how things happen in our minds and the, and the ways in which we are uh, kind of taking in the world. That's a very sophisticated thing to try to do. But, but what happens, and, and the, best, the best analogy I've come up with for this is, it's like trying to look at your own eyeballs. We become so interested in the perceiver that instead of, of becoming invested in perception, we try to roll our eyes back and just notice how it's done. 
becomes a very narrow place, a very narrow loop. And it's hard to get out of. We do this in so many ways. We observe ourselves in so many ways. And again, it can seem as if that's exactly what we're being invited to do. Because to a degree it is. We're being asked to notice. And we start reading these teachings and hearing these teachings and we find, for example, over and over references to the mirror. Usually positive. Usually the mirror is, is, is presented as a positive image. It's something that, that it might be clean or dirty, depending on the, the nature of the teaching, but that it's something that reflects truth. But of course, what we're seeing when we look in a mirror, unless we are very sophisticated about it, is us. We're just looking right at ourselves. So the mirror can become a kind of barrier. I was thinking today about how I started practicing uh, karate when I was 17 years old. And for the first few years, we practiced in a dance studio. And the dance studio had a wall of just mirror, nothing but mirror. And for maybe three years, I practiced there. And I took it as a matter of course that this is how you do it. That you always have this immediate feedback on what you're doing and how you look as you're doing it. And then I changed cities and I moved to where my teacher's teacher lived. And I went into his dojo and his dojo was this very bare space. It had no mirrors at all. And for the first time, I realized that I had spent literally years watching myself practicing karate. Which is very different from actually doing it. In that practice, you're always thinking about the eight directions, the cardinal directions and the and the ones in between. And you're imagining people coming at you from these places, so you're training yourself to look southwest, you know, look northeast. He says as his gestures don't match that in any way. And, and what I noticed when the mirrors were taken away was that every time I looked to this angle, my real investment had always been in my peripheral vision that was allowing me to see myself looking in this angle. That's what I was doing. And when that was taken away, not only was I for the first time able to actually look where I was supposed to look, but I was asked to understand it with my body. Not in terms of whether it looked good to me, which is actually absurd if you're the student that you would understand what it's supposed to look like. I started to rely on my teacher's adjustments and having to remember what the adjustment felt like. Not what it looked like. Not my projection of what it should look like, which almost always was synonymous with looking kind of cool, right? Or looking tough. But what it actually felt like after he had turned my leg or moved my arm. I had to start practicing from the the place of the actor. Not as a viewer. That was a huge shift for me. 
And then years later, when I entered a monastery, one of the things that I really appreciated was that this practice that was so uh, prescribed physically, you know, we're always being told you stand just like this and you sit just like this and you wear your robe, lots of instructions about getting your robes just right. There were no mirrors. <laughs> I never got to go look. I never got to check. I had to know how it felt. If you know how it feels, then you know when you're doing it wrong. If you don't know how it feels, you can imagine that you're doing it right until you bump into a mirror. I find this so hard. And I know that other people do. People come to me. I can't tell you how many times, even in the last couple months, people have peppered conversations with me by saying, I know I shouldn't think this, but... They're experiencing a sensation in their lives, and then they're observing that, and they're watching how they're feeling that sensation, and then they're making a judgment about whether that sensation is appropriate or inappropriate in a Buddhist context, and then they're saying... I have an evaluation about that, right? And it's as if there's a mirror right in front of their nose. But I do this too. The practice is begging us to become invested in our minds. The mirror presents interesting questions as well because there is nothing more distracting in the world to you than you. <laughs> nothing. There is nothing more distracting than walking through. Uh, we used to have a, a big department store in my hometown, and the, the pillars that supported it were made of mirrors. You know, and you'd walk by and you'd think you were shopping, but then you'd catch yourself, you'd see yourself, and for just a minute, you felt that you saw yourself as you really were. Deeply disturbing. <laughs> I imagine that everyone in this room has practiced smiling in the mirror at some point, right? Maybe many times. It's something really strange that human beings do. I've done it. When I was young, I did it a lot. And I tried to imagine what it, I, I had this idea what I, you know, what my best smile was. And I'd practice it because I wanted to be able to pull that out. And then if someone was going to take a picture of me, I wanted to kind of memorize what it felt like to smile like that. <laughs> but then when someone would take a picture of me that was candid when I was laughing, I would see it and I think, do, do I? That's not me. That's not how I look because it looks nothing like what it looks like when I practice it. Right? When I practice in the mirror, I look something I'm like, kind of like that. Right? <laughs> But almost every photo that exists of me is like this. It's dorkier in reality. But what we don't do, I think, is we don't memorize that sensation of practicing genuinely and then bring it to the mirror. Right? We memorize, we try to memorize what it feels like to smile in the way that we think would look right, and then we try to bring that into our lives. And we watch ourselves as we do it.
I've had, you all have this friend or this mom or something that has a photo smile that comes out only when there's a camera. It's so strange to watch that. But that's what that mirror allows. Like I said, I don't think there's an easy answer. I don't think there's a simple solution to this. You're going to do it. You are doing it. Someone in this room, as they're listening to this talk, is watching themselves listen to this talk. And now that I've said it, you're all going to do it. What mind am I bringing to listening to this talk? We're all trying to look at our own eyeballs instead of using them. I think that even when we, when we have that rare moment of genuine seeing, we often fall back into, we notice it, and then we say, how did I do that? Right? And we flip our eyes back. And we try to see the mechanism again. And the bad news is, I think you're going to do it forever. I don't see myself getting completely past this process. But I do know, and I'll just offer this one thing, that when I invest myself in action, not in perception, but in action, when I bring to the front the question of how I stand or how I sit or how I walk or how I hold a pen, that I find it very difficult to balance that with that act of looking at my own eyes. It's very difficult to do both. And so it gives me a way of, of relating and perceiving without, without turning the lens backward for a moment. I think that's a hint. For me, it's an important hint. So much of, of this practice, and I think probably any spiritual practice, seems to be, to me, a process of, of adopting and even embracing new neuroses. And then trying somehow from within them to skillfully work beyond them. We can't skip it, but it, it's, not, it's not the most elegant system either. I'll stop there. For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.